So let's jump on a trend here. Did you know that on 11.58 p.m. on New Year's Eve, if you throw out Water Park's album Double Dare, Sleeping with Sirens Gossip, Seaway's Vacation, and Linkin Park's One More Light, at midnight you'll begin questioning why you were such a fucking idiot to have given these bands your money in the first place. Start your year off right, you no-taste-having motherfuckers. <laughs> Was that pretentious enough? Merry Holidays. Welcome everyone to a brand new episode of Ian Hates Music. My name is Ian. And that silence can only mean one thing. Dave is not on the show tonight. It turns out right before the show, he has a 104 degree temperature and he is puking his guts out. I hope that is not too much information for everyone, but that's what's happening. So Dave will not be making the show I am also falling apart. Dave and I seem to be dying at exactly the same time, which I guess is good for co-hosts, right? I mean, it means we're in sync, so that's something. But so I have no idea how my voice is going to hold up. I am in a shit ton of pain, and <laughs> I don't know. So Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy holidays. Happy whatever you celebrate. But hopefully this is going to be a shorter show. Because as much as I like hearing my own voice, it's kind of killing me right now. But I don't like missing shows. And there's really a good amount to talk about. So no more intro. Let's get this party started. It's time for Scene News. Scene news time, and I'm sure I could be thinking of something really interesting and playing a soundboard of Dave, but it's just, <laughs> I am too out of it. I am really too out of it to do that. So we're going to have to wait for that for another week where Dave is sick and I am not. And maybe that'll happen. For now, scene news time. And I'm going to mention some updates on all the sexual misconduct charges that have been going around in the scene First up, and the first time they have ever mentioned anything so far, Pierce Avail made their first statement. This one's involving Mike Fuentes, who we've talked about on the show previously. Not going to go through the entire story, but he had allegations against him from underage girls that say that he was doing things inappropriate with underage girls while he was in his 20s. Things were pretty graphic. You can obviously look that up. One of the big differences in this story compared to some of the others is there were also pictures that were involved. So we'll get to that in a second. Pierce Avail basically made three statements in one. The first part was saying that they were aware of the allegations and that they were trying to figure out what to do and that they want a safe environment for all the Pierce Avail fans. The second part was basically Mike talking about 
the allegations a little bit, never fully addressing them, but saying these allegations are from 10 years ago. I always want to be a stand-up person. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, because you can read all these. There's no point in me reading them. And then basically apologizing for anything that he's ever done wrong. So he doesn't specifically mention the person in question or the actions in question. And then the last part is Pierce Avail kind of back again saying, because of this, they need to figure out what they're going to do. And since he's such an influential member in the band, they're not going to just grab someone random and go on their European tour with All Time Low. They are going to respectfully bow out of that tour. So that is big news. It is really, really big news. It took a while for the statements to come out. Probably a smart idea professionally, but maybe not the best idea personally. Because I think the thing that people can still pick apart from that statement is that Mike never said that he didn't do those things. So if he did those things, this whole stepping away from the band for a little bit is most likely going to be permanent. I can't imagine if any of that is true, that he will be back in Pierce the Veil. Now, I wouldn't say that Pierce the Veil wouldn't go on, but I think they're going on without him. So they can let things die down, but if he's back in the band, things will come right back up. And if Dave were here, I'm sure he'd make an inappropriate joke about what I just said, but luckily for us, he's not. So we'll move on from that. But I think the big thing that hasn't been addressed in that as well is the whole matching up of tattoos in the pictures that were put out there because that's probably the biggest thing right now. And I believe the person who shared the information from the anonymous person, the anonymous person does not want the cops involved. They don't want anything like that. So I'm not sure that anything would actually come of this other than Mike stepping away from the band. So once again, these are all allegations, allegedly, word of 2017, allegedly. But it really is big news. And it'll be interesting to know what Pierce Savale are going to do. I'm not sure technically you can say that justice will be done in this case, especially if the person doesn't want to press charges. But if this was true, maybe it will stop him from doing anything else in the future. And still on that topic, we've got with confidence, they've made a statement about the future of the band. Now, with them, two of their members were accused of sexual misconduct. Luke Rockets is someone we've talked about. He was their newest guitarist, and they kicked him out of the band. They also dropped off of the tour with Kanukapuk. Dave and I had mentioned that before. But I think one we had missed is that there were also, there were also allegations against their vocalist, Jaden Seeley, around the same time. So they were pretty radio silent for a while, and then they just made a statement, basically apologizing for how long it took them to make a statement. And the next thing they mention, they're going to put off their touring and postpone the recording of their second album. And they're going to spend time at home with their families and process everything, blah, 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 blah. They mention that they can't change what happened and they're taking steps to reflect and grow. If you've got two cases of sexual misconduct in your band and you're only a four-person band, I'm going to go out there on a limb and I'm going to believe that they will not be back. I don't think any label will take a chance with them. I don't think that many people will go to their shows anymore unless they were completely unaware of these allegations. But having two separate people in your band, even though 
Even though they kicked Luke out, it still doesn't matter. I'd be very surprised if this band was back. And that's obviously just personal opinion. But when you read stuff like that, you're going to drop off, lose tons of money from touring, and then also postpone a new album, which money needs to go down for that as well. It would be very surprising if they were able to come back from this as a stronger band. But obviously, we'll keep an eye out for that. Now we've got another story that has to do with an apology. This one's not for sexual misconduct. This one's for trying to kill your ex-wife. Yes, that's right, people. We are talking about Tim Lambesis again. I guess it was bound to happen, but I thought maybe it would be more when he reunited with As I Lay Dying and not a full statement apology. And once again, I am not going to go word for word on this. You can easily look it up. But I will say this. This apology for what you can tell through the internet, this apology seemed legitimate. It seemed unhindered by a lot of things. Basically, he was saying he was radio silent for so long because he was waiting till he had paid his complete debt to society. He, you know, he was out of probation. He's all done with that. So he thought this would be the perfect time. Also, what I will mention is even though he brought up music once by saying that music has gotten him through, you know, probably all the dark times in his life, that he is not promoting any new music, nor did he bring up As I Lay Dying. So I thought that was at least smart of him. He mentioned the rumors circulating, but did not actually go into anything, just said that's what people do. And that was very smart on his part, which is not what Tim is known for. He's not fucking known for his intelligence. So whether someone else you know, did this for him, who knows. But I will say that the statement itself and all of the apologies do sound legitimate. They do sound like they actually are meant. So whether that means, you know, I would forgive him for doing the things he did, eh, that's difficult. People obviously make a lot of mistakes. You know, drugs, alcohol, all that kind of stuff, you know, it affects you. I mean, I fucking sound like a PSA right now. All right, I see, this is why I need a back and forth. So I have someone calling me a fucking idiot. So if his family is able to forgive him and he's going to continue to work hard, I don't know. I, I mean... I thought this was interesting because it didn't come with promotional tools. And I did like his final statement. He said, I will continue to apologize in both words and actions moving forward. And that's the important part, right? It's not just the apology, but it's making sure that nothing else like this happens again. So who knows? I am absolutely sure that as I lay dying or getting back together, at least him and whoever, whatever super group maybe he gets together, there's probably going to be a book. There might even be a Lifetime movie. Who the fuck knows? Tim is going to get a shit ton of money. So I've got plenty of bands to listen to. I'm not saying that all of a sudden I'm going to be like, yeah, As I Lay Dying is coming back because I still don't think that's the case. But it is nice to hear an apology, right? It's nice to hear an apology. Now a huge <laughs> switching of gears here. Good old Tommy X Blink 182 is now getting help from ex-secret Pentagon UFO programmers. I don't even know what to say. It's so funny. So he's getting help from people that used to work in the Pentagon. And I forgot that he, I guess, started this place called To The Stars Academy of Arts and Science. And he's basically released videos that might show UFOs. And the reason why it even matters, the reason why it was talked about in you know the New York Times and other publications 
is because it is official military surveillance. And it has been sanctioned by them as well. So even though there were leaked versions, this actually establishes authenticity and credibility to these videos. Now, when you watch them, it's still very difficult to know what you're actually looking at. Plus, these videos, I think, are from like 2004. So who knows what it really is? I mean, I would say in most cases that people didn't call Tom crazy because he believes in UFOs or aliens or whatever. I think in most cases, I think the part that I would say in most cases is that he was crazy for leaving Blink-182 to dedicate his life to searching for aliens and UFOs. I understand having passion for something. That just seems a little out there, pun intended. The other thing too is, are you really that busy with Blink-182 that you couldn't schedule this stuff around your touring schedule for Blink? Did you have to go make your own academy? So go check out those videos. It is interesting. It's interesting that the military people that are talking don't know what it is. Who knows? I've never said aliens don't exist, so I don't know. I'm just not a person that thinks that there's a huge conspiracy behind their existence. I mean, it's a fucking vast universe, people. Like, who the fuck knows what's happening out there? Oh, shit. Do I sound like Tom? Do I have to quit Blink-22 now? Shit. I need that money. And last thing I'm going to talk about here in scene news, even though my voice is fucking killing me, is the thing I started the episode, what, like two episodes ago, when I did my whole net neutrality rant. And I'm sure many people that have other podcasts, and I'm sure on the news and whatnot, I'm sure they've had a chance to talk about it a little bit. I want to do something a little different here for people that don't know, and really, if you don't know, it's fucking nuts. But last week, the FCC did indeed vote to repeal the net neutrality laws that were put in place two years ago. Now, I'd like to address something real quick. It's actually what I just mentioned. That whole two years ago thing. A lot of really, really unintelligent people, or people that have, and I'll say this as well, people that have a lot of ulterior motives, really harped on that whole, hey, these regulations have only been put in place two years ago. The sky wasn't falling before two years ago. You're somewhat accurate in the way that someone is accurate when they only know 2% of the issue. So what I stated on the show before as well was that technically we've had net neutrality, that buzzword term that blows. We've had that for the entire time that the internet has been around. The regulations were put in place, net neutrality was put in place two years ago because there were other incidents that other cable and ISP companies were doing that made people put the fucking regulations in place. And people can lie all they want and say, oh, those were only isolated incidents. It doesn't fucking matter. That's actually, to be quite honest, that's the point. That's why regulations were in place because guess what, people? As we learn what we're able to do with technology... And as other things get bigger, like Netflix and Apple Podcasts and iTunes and fucking whatever the fuck, these smart people that work for those companies realize how they can make more money. So they started to realize, wait a second, as an ISP, I don't like Netflix because they're using a shit ton of bandwidth. 
So how am I going to make it so that the consumer has to pay more money? And that's when they started showing their hand a little bit. And that's when the government stepped in and made the net neutrality regulations. Now, this is what I'm going to also say for this. And I thought I had stated this a little bit before. I am not pro-government. I most of the time don't like it when the government makes regulations. In order to not be a fool and to be logical at times, you have to realize that regulations do work. And I know, whoa, hold on a second. I can't believe I said that, right? It is important to not be on the extremes of every issue every fucking time. The problem we have, the reason why Roy Moore was almost elected in Alabama is because we have a two-party system. And I know I'm going off on a tangent right now, but hey, Dave's not here. There's no one to control me. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Democrat, Republican. That's all we have. We can pretend that there's independent, there's green, and whatever the fuck. They're not. We just had two of the worst candidates run for president of all time in our last election, and the independent candidates still got nothing. It's not a system that we have in this country. We have a two-party system. So the reason why it's still crazy that people celebrate that a Democrat won in Alabama, he only won by less than 1% of the vote. That means that people hate each other. Republicans hate Democrats and Democrats hate Republicans so much that Republicans, even though it was a national story that Roy Moore was an accused pedophile, And there were many stories about him, and you can go look that fucking shit up too. Even with all those alleged stories, he still barely lost. And that's clearly because Alabama wants what Republicans would do for them. That's how bad they wanted him. So let's let's turn that around again. So that's why I don't trust the government a lot anyways. So you have to not be on the extremes of everything. So you can't be an extreme Democrat, you can't be an extreme Republican, and you can't be an extreme Libertarian. There has to be a compromise between them and probably maybe even another party that has another bunch of ideals. You need a way of mixing everything together. You need someone that's way more moderate because you are not, I stress this, you are not a logical person if you vote every single way Democrats vote. Same with Republicans, same with Libertarians. You're not intelligent if that's the way you think because you have to be wrong sometimes. It's not possible for you to be right every time because there is no perfect party. That's why mixture is the way to work. So the reason why I bring this up is because I really, really like Eric July and I really, really like the band Backwards. And if anyone doesn't know, Eric July is the lead vocalist for Backwards. And I've talked about Backwards many times on the show. And Eric has his own show. I think it's called Being Libertarian. I'll give it a plug. And on that show, he talks a lot. Now, I think Eric's a great guy. And obviously, his show is about being completely libertarian. So when all this net neutrality stuff was going on, he put out a video. It's like 14 minutes. You can still go watch it. And in this video, he calls net neutrality a gimmick. And in a way, he's right. But what I want to mention about it is that being always on one side cannot always be right. They're taking net neutrality and they're making it, this is a government regulation. So right there, if you're libertarian, you're supposed to be like, well, fuck that, because I hate the government. I think the government is run shitty, and it is. 
And I want nothing to do with the government having regulations over anything. And I understand that position. I also understand the position of saying that the FCC should not even exist. And that's absolutely fucking true. The FCC is complete bullshit. And I could go into tons of shitty things that they've done. We don't even, as citizens, we do not get to vote on who's in the FCC. They control all media, all telecom, everything, all of that. We don't get a say in who's put there. Obviously, because that piece of shit is in charge of it. So I get that, and I'm going to agree. What I don't agree with is that all companies are good because government is bad. That's not how things work. The government is just a big company. It's a big conglomeration. So, of course, it is bad. That is true. But also, big companies are bad. And that's why I was never sticking up for Netflix. I was never sticking up for Spotify or Apple or whatever the fuck. The worry has always been that if net neutrality is repealed, then all of these ISPs can choose where you go on the internet. Not only where you go, but how fast or how slow you get there. So with them already not liking companies like Netflix and Apple and blah, 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 they might slow them down and say, no, 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 you have to pay us a certain amount in order to have whatever the bandwidth they need. And I'm, I, wow, I'm being so technical. I'm just trying to get through this. Those companies are never, ever, ever going to go, oh, shit, well, I guess we'll just pay this and leave our customers to be paying what we told them we would be charging them. That has never, ever happened in the history of the world. And it's definitely not going to happen now. When I see Netflix put out a meme that says, oh, we're very disappointed in what the FCC did, and this is terrible for America and freedom and blah, blah, well, fuck you too. Because it wasn't about caring about you. It's about what we're going to eat shit for because you're eating shit. And basically, it just becomes a huge human centipede. Big ISP companies are going to shit in the mouth of Apple, Netflix, Spotify, and so on. They're then going to take that shit that was shit into their mouths, digest it, and then shit it into our mouth. I'm sorry for being so technical, but that is what's going to happen. And that's where I disagree with Eric, because there are times in history where government putting regulations on a free business, and I'm not saying, and I'm not saying that the internet is a right, because we do pay to get onto the internet. I'm not saying it's a right. I'm saying for that internet, though, you should be able to go wherever you need to go without a company telling you you can't do that. Because that's very dangerous in 2017, 2018, whatever year we make it before we're fucking exploded. So now I lost my train of thought. So even though the internet isn't a right, companies can't be trusted to let us go wherever we want for the amount of money that we normally pay. And there's already been inklings that that's what they're going to do. So the reason for the regulations were to stop businesses from fucking us. The government fucks things up all the time, but the government can get something right every once in a while. And I don't trust the government more than I trust big business. Because like I said, I think they're the same thing. I'm not being philosophical. People have said that before. It's not my original idea. I just came to that conclusion from research. 
and living fucking life. The other thing that I want to mention that Eric brings up a lot is that it is very true that a lot of people in the country do not get more than one choice of ISPs. And I know he brings up specific examples like himself who lives in Texas and he's never had Comcast, whatever. The same way the Electoral College is set up, and believe me, I fucking hate that too, but the same way where certain states get a certain amount of votes because there are more people in that area, that's the same way that ISPs work. So if you're in a very, very populated city, there are laws, and and once again, this is government fucking us, but this is the way it is. There are laws where somehow there's only one ISP that you can get in these cities, and those cities have the most people in them. So when you say, oh, look at this whole map, and here's all these places where this isn't true, you can get multiple, it doesn't matter what you get in the sticks, because in the sticks, there aren't as many people there. It does matter when you talk about New York, when you talk about San Francisco, Chicago, Boston, blah, blah. In many of those places, you only get the choice of one ISP. So if that ISP does go forward and changes their pricing structure and says you can't go to these sites, and I'm not saying the internet by ugh, so many stupid people out there. I'm not calling Eric stupid. Actually, I think he's pretty smart on this stuff. But there are other people that follow along blindly to whatever anyone says and never does any fact checking. The internet will not be changing tomorrow. It will not probably change in over a year. First of all, that was just the one vote. They still have to go through some other stuff. The other thing, though, is once the companies like Comcast and Verizon, whoever, are able to do whatever they want, they're still going to play it safe. They're not just going to all of a sudden roll out. Here's your pricing plans and blah, blah. They're not going to do that because they know they are being scrutinized. So it's definitely not going to happen right away. But it will happen. A company has never left money on the table. Why would they start now? So I completely understand what people are saying when they're talking about government being bad for any regulations. I totally understand that. But you have to have a whole system in place that involves no government before you can wean completely off of that and just say these businesses are going to fend for themselves and they're going to treat the customer well enough so that the customer stays with them instead of going to competition that doesn't exist. Because that is the case for more people than not. ISPs start with whatever they're going to do that we won't have the ability to leave them and everyone needs the internet. That's the way it goes. Everyone needs the internet. So I have never been in favor of the government. I have never been in favor of large businesses. I was never protecting Netflix. I was never protecting Hulu, Spotify, whatever. My goal has always been to protect the internet and protect me and you, the consumer, because that's what we are. And we're always the one who's in the final chain of the human centipede. So do you guys miss Dave yet? (laughs) All right. I think that's enough for scene news. So let's go on to new songs. New song time, and wow, it is beginning to look a lot like Christmas because there are only three. So let's begin with Turnstile Generator. The album Time and Space comes out February 23rd on Roadrunner Records. Let's take a listen. 
Next up, we have American Nightmare, The World is Blue. The self-titled full-length album comes out February 16th on Rise Records. Let's take a listen. And now the new one from Kane Hill. This is Ten Cents. The new album Too Far Gone comes out January 19th on Rise Records. Let's take a listen. Not too much to say on these ones. I mean, it's three tracks and I liked them all. And without Dave here to shit on them, there's not much more to say. So let's move on to a concert review. Concert review time. So on Friday, I went to see Vanna's final ever show. This was at the Worcester Palladium, and I got to meet not only friend of the show, not only former co-host of Ian Hates Music, but also current producer, Ty, who does his great music blog that you can always find in the links in the description of the episode. Ty and I met in person for the first time, obviously a very cool guy, and we went down for the Vanna VIP as well as the whole entire show. So VIP was cool because obviously it was the last one that they were going to do. I'm still not sure if I'm going to be doing VIPs anymore. It's a good way to support a band, but I think it has to be like a huge band like this. It has to be like a final show or it has to be one of your all-time favorites. Otherwise, I don't get as much out of it unless there's some awesome, unique merch. Because really... When everyone's signing stuff, you don't really get to talk to them. They've got a whole line of people they got to go through. And then I'd rather just have a band on the show because then you can have a real in-depth conversation. So I don't know. I got to think about this a little bit more, but I think it has to be something special. But then for bands I got to see, it was split up into the main stage and the upstairs. So went back and forth. I had to see Roseview, End, Actor Observer, Lions Lions, like Pacific, Knock Loose, 18 Visions, and Vanna. So a couple things. Roseview, really good. I never heard of them before. I'll be checking out their music. And who normally has Brendan, 
from Counterparts was actually not Brendan from Counterparts because apparently he couldn't get back into the States. So they had the lead vocalist of the band Great American Ghost, who we had talked about probably three or four episodes ago, how good their album was that just had recently come out. So that was pretty cool, even though obviously I love Brendan and Counterparts and everything. Actor Observer was fucking awesome. They were really, really good. They really took advantage of being on the main stage. Tons of energy, really knocked it out of the park. They're a Boston band as well, so it's very cool to see them do so well. That's the same for Lions Lions. Lions Lions did a fucking great job as well. I am not a fan of Like Pacific. I was a little surprised that they were even on the bill. That's my own personal opinion, though. So if you like them, maybe you would have liked seeing them live. I've seen them many times. I don't like them. Then we had Knocked Loose. They destroyed the crowd. It seemed like everyone knew every word to every song. And when they had come on, the upstairs was done with bands. So this was pretty much the full capacity of Worcester Palladium, which is like 3,000, 2,000, 3,000, somewhere around there. They killed it. They destroyed. They go off. And then 18 Visions comes on. Now, I love 18 Visions. But I will say, it seemed like this was not the show for them to be on. It almost seemed like at least that 18 Visions should have been before Knock Loose, at least with crowd participation-wise. Because I really, really like the Return album by 18 Visions. We've talked about it multiple times on the show. And I thought they did a very good job live, but they did not connect with the audience, I think, the way they wanted to. Also, one of the big things, too, they were using a lot of smoke and a lot of lights. So most of the time, you couldn't even see them on stage, which was so much different than every other band. So sure, they stood out, but then you also didn't have that connection. And maybe Ty can correct me. I know Ty's a big fan as well. But in this venue and on this bill, I'm not sure it worked the same way. But I still love those guys, and I'm really happy that I got to see them live because I think they even mentioned it while they were on stage. This is the first time in like 10 or 15 years that they had been back to the East Coast. So it was very cool to see them live. And then obviously headlining, you had Vanna for their final ever show. Even though each one of them has broken off into different bands, this is the last time for Vanna. It was emotional. People were losing their minds. Everyone went really hard. And one of their big surprises was that they actually did multiple songs with the original vocalist as well as their original clean vocalist and guitarist. So that was very cool. Something that people probably thought they'd never see, and then also something that you will never see again. So not only did you get Vanna in its current form, but you also got quote-unquote past Vanna, or original Vanna, whatever you want to say. It was just a very, very cool experience, a very tiring experience as well. That was a long fucking day. But I can't even recommend that you go see Vanna because that was their final show. So hopefully... There was enough recording of that that maybe they'll put out a DVD or something because I think that would definitely be worth it. Everything went off without a hitch. I thought they had a great song selection. Everything hit really, really well. So it is a shame to see Vanna go, but it was awesome being at that show. Did that rhyme? I shouldn't end it like that. Make sure you support these bands. Go see Roseview and Actor Observer, Lions Lions, Knock Loose, 18 Visions. All worth your time. 
The one thing I was pissed about was I did want to see old wounds, but there was no way I would be able to get upstairs and back to my position of where I was. So I hope to see old wounds again live soon, especially with Kevin back. But Ty did have a chance to do that, and he said they were great. So go see them as well. All right. That is the end of console reviews. So we are going to skip hate mail this week because I don't want to sell anyone short. I want people to have Dave's answer as well. So let's skip that and let's go to my favorite part of the show. Oh, yes, it is time. It is time for our favorite part of the show. And you notice I said our or our. (laughs) I'm making myself laugh over here. But the reason why I'm doing that is I have not split personalities yet. But I made a quick call and an old friend has joined us on Ian Hates Music for two album reviews. Secret special guest, would you please introduce yourself? Oh my God. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> my name is Jackson. And what is up, dude? I'm so fucking excited. Oh my gosh. <laughs> my heart was racing the whole time introducing me. It felt so good. Oh man, I miss you. Oh, I miss you too. This is great. But honestly, I thought you were going to start with the preacher voice. Oh shit, I should have. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Oh my God. <laughs> Just doing two quick album reviews for you. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm gone. I hope that people understand where all this is coming from. I know, right? If not, they're like, who the fuck is this guy? But look, everyone's been enjoying Dave. We already know Dave is puking his guts out right now, and we all wish him the best. But I reached out to Jackson, and he was so nice to come back on the show. And he had a chance to listen to two of the albums. So that's what we're going to go over right now. First up, for all eternity, The Will to Rebuild on Face Down Records. This is a Christian metalcore band from Australia. This is their third full-length album. And Jackson, I am looking forward to hearing what you have to say first. Well, first of all, I didn't know they were Australian. You just, I just learned that right now with your spectacular introduction. Oh, thank you. Uh-huh. Um, dude, this album was a big surprise to me because I've listened to For All Eternity before, mm-hmm. and I really started with hearing that Metanoia album. I, I'm totally butchering that album. I know what you're talking but about. That was, <laughs> yeah, and, and really, I just heard it because it had Maddie Montgomery in it. So I was like, oh, fuck, I guess it's got to be good. So I heard it, and I didn't really like it too much. And then this week was kind of a slow music week for me because I always check in every Thursday for new music and I saw for all eternity and I'm like, oh shit, maybe they're good now. Right. As mean as that sounds. <laughs> and dude, I am in love with this album. I, I From beginning to end, I don't know if it sounds completely different from their other stuff. I don't it know does. if that's the ignorance speaking in me, but <laughs> I think it does. You know what I mean? No, they have definitely honed in on their sound. I think that's probably the best way to put it. So I totally agree with you. Yeah, like like it. They just sound like this is what they were supposed to be sounding like the whole time. Because you could tell it's like the same band, but they just figured it out, I guess, without changing completely. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't say they've gone 
way out from what they used to be, but they've really honed in and found their sound for that metalcore sound that they were looking for. Exactly. And I just absolutely love it. Yeah, man. I mean, not only do they have great clean and unclean vocals, but the production's really good. The whole way that they have orchestrated everything, like, it sounds epic at times. It's very melodic. I think they do a really fucking great job. Yeah, they, they really do. And I know this is random, but I really like the album cover, too. I don't yeah. know why. I think it's really cool. No, I totally agree. And I'm sure Dave would have picked up on that as well, since that's what he owns on. I've said honed in on like a million <laughs> times on this show for some reason. My bad. Oh, well. But look, I'm also sick. So that might also be the issue. But I do want to bring this up with you because we've had this discussion on the show a few times before. So I did start out by saying this is a Christian metalcore band, but opposed to like last week's show where Dave and I went over, I'm trying to think of the band that we went over. Oh, War of Ages. When we did that band, who is also a Christian metalcore band, this one though, For All Eternity, I think they're labeled that, but their lyrics aren't preaching. Oh no, War of Ages, like that was like a hardcore Jesus album. Yes. Like, it's baptism like every and, lyric yeah, right. was all of that. And of course, I don't have a problem with it, right. but it is very blatant. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's not like, hey, did you know that's a Christian man? <gasps> I didn't know. You know what I mean? With this one, I think you could probably get away. Like, I went through all the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And there's really not, I mean, they mention hell a bunch of times, and most of the time, it's them being in hell. Right. So it's not like saying, oh, you're going to hell because you're not baptized or you're going to hell because you sin like nothing like that it's like they're trying to pull themselves out of hell right and and i actually do like the message more in this album too when they do that because it's more relatable for even people who don't believe you know what i mean like anybody can relate to feeling like in your own personal hell whether you actually believe in hell or not you know what i mean no it's very true i mean look i feel like i'm in hell right now oh yeah yeah i never thought you'd be back on the show i'm like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) here i am and i answered quick as shit too and i got super excited i'm not gonna lie i look you know i'll I'll be nice ian off air all right on air okay you know how i forgot about that shtick yeah you know how it works it's still going people love it people (laughs) fucking love it but yeah man this album in general though such a huge undertaking for them and i think they really pulled it off and man australia has been killing it with metal and metalcore and post-hardcore bands, I'm really impressed. Oh, hell yeah, man. They really are. Like they, it, It's really hard to hear of a bad Australian band now. And that's, I mean, that's, that's such a random country too. And I hope I'm not offending country. any Australian <laughs> fans out there. All of them. You know what I mean? It, it's, just, it's just different. It's like, yeah, man, it's Australia, dude. What the fuck do you expect? Of course they got badass music. It's like, yeah. Yeah, seriously. Like not only could you go over there and have a fucking awesome time because it's Australia. Maybe you could even go see shows there. Oh, I know this is super random, but I have to bring this up. Do it. Last time I was on the show. I don't even remember I when still, that was. Well, whatever. <laughs> Last time I was on the show, I have still never seen Amity Affliction. Oh, okay. I have finally fucking seen Amity Affliction. Oh, tell me. And I bring this up because they're Australian, just yep. in case anyone didn't know. <laughs> Are you racist? Freaking racist. <laughs> um, and dude, it was 
It was incredible, Ian. Uh, that was one time, like when I left the concert, I was like, dude, I, I can't believe I forgot, but I should have done like a, hey, Ian, can I come on the show for a bit and do a quick concert review? Because I finally saw them, you know? No, you probably should have. But then, well, you know, we'll leave for all eternity for a second here. They, I'm assuming because of your excitement that they were good. But then, oh, yeah, you were on board with me for a while, though, that they've been very stagnant in the scene like i wouldn't even consider them the best band coming out of australia right now yeah their last album we like it but it didn't impress so they kind of went on a tiny bit of a downfall plus what about those cover songs oh and that damn cover song <laughs> two two bad cover songs <laughs> wait what was the other they one? did the silver chair one as well oh i haven't heard that one see i knew you didn't listen to the show oh don't do that to me <laughs> I haven't heard that one. I just heard the weekend one, and that one was really bad. That one was really bad. That was back when you were still on the show, right? Yeah, that was on the Pop Goes Punk album. Yes, that's right. Literally one of the worst Pop Goes yeah. Punk <laughs> So glad I was on to talk about that one. Yes, of course. But yeah, man, I am glad you got to see them live. Look, I wouldn't ever tell anyone not to go see them live. I've just been very disappointed in their music choices recently. Like, I really hope that they come back with something strong just because of that. Right. That's the whole issue. So, anyways, yeah, all right. It, it, it's just kind of upsetting seeing that things aren't looking up. And I'm not going to say that they're trash now. But, Me neither. You know, they're just not on an upward hill right now. They're not making good decisions. Right. That's the issue. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> That's why I have a show. <laughs> So let's get back to For All Eternity. So did we miss anything that we wanted to go over? Because I was really surprised. I had heard one single track, I believe. And even though there are a couple filler tracks, they actually mm -hmm. move the story along. And I think they work. Uh, I completely agree. And I really hope people give this album a chance. Me too. Because this is their third album, yeah, I believe. Third. I mean, I'm not going to be surprised if no one's ever heard of them. As, as mean as that sounds again, but people need to give this album a chance because it is amazing. And, and you know, I hope this is the one that breaks them out because, you know, after, you know, a couple albums when, you know, people see that you're not going anywhere, you know, it starts to get a little demotivating for them as a band. You know what I mean? No, that's very true. Well, look, I was going back and forth on two tracks to play. One I did want to mention, the one I'm not going to play, it was called Vivid. And I thought that track was really cool where both vocalists did clean vocals. And it's like a softer track, but it's not an acoustic track. And I think mm -hmm. if you're looking to see the range that right. they have, that's the track to listen to. But then just to see how heavy hitting they can be and how good their production is and everything, I'm going to play a little bit of The Vacated. Nice.
So once again, for all eternity, the will to rebuild on Face Down Records. All right, Jackson, this is the big one. This is what got you out of retirement. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. It's Asking Alexandria, self-titled Asking Alexandria on Sumerian Records. I would start off right now by saying this is an electrono-pop rock band, I guess. Oh, shit. (laughs) Here we go. Already, here we go. I don't know, Jackson. I actually, I like this idea of me introing things and then throwing it to you. Oh, dude, we we could do this, man. All right, do it up, man. This album is bad. Oh. (laughs) Oh, no. Straight up. (laughs) straight out i am telling you this is not a good album and it hurts to say that because asking alexandra in my opinion Mm -hmm. has never put out a bad album and to be honest with you before this thing poisoned my brain (laughs) i would go as far as to say they've never put out a bad song and man they gave me a whole album of it (laughs) oh i love it Jackson, I did not even know how to begin with this review. I will say, first of all, 13 tracks where one of them is a radio edit of Into the Fire. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. That's funny. For anyone that doesn't know, Into the Fire was the first single. Let's go back a little bit. So I enjoyed Into the Fire. Same. I, I will give them that. Okay. The second thing I will say is I despise the second single. Yeah, where did it go? Yes. And before we go into everything, it's something we didn't do on the show before. Did you ever read the lyrics of Where Did It Go? No. I mentioned it briefly, and I didn't really go into it, into it. But the whole entire song is talking about how Danny and Asking Alexandria are the best band ever, and they... (sighs) reinvented or maybe maybe even founded what metalcore was and now is and that they've been copied by every other band for the entire time that they've been a band wow yeah so (laughs) not to mention a rundown of all of their albums that they've done as well so yeah let me let me go ahead and talk about this right now so here's an exact quote from the song After a decade pushing boundaries, proving impossible possible, making something from nothing, creating quote-unquote larger than life, always rejecting the herd, always ahead of the curve, writing the records your favorite band ripped off in their records. (laughs) Great rhyme, right? Records and records. (laughs) Really good stuff. Wow, that was good. Yeah. And then he goes on to talk about how everyone else is complacent and he's a genius. And fuck everyone who doesn't like their music. I did not know that Danny was such a great MC. You couldn't tell by the awesome rapping in that track? I Man, it totally slipped. I'm, <laughs> I can't believe I missed it. Son of a bitch. So yes, I will say Where Did It Go is probably the worst ever track that they have ever put out. Unless, Between that and Empire, Yes, I yes, knew you were going there. <laughs> Empire is up there. And also... Yeah. And also rise up. Dude, oh my god, we're on the same fucking page. I swear <laughs> I was about to say that. It's such a basic fucking copy of any other song called right. Rise or Unbeatable. Yep. 
or untouchable or you know, <laughs> shit like that. All of my cement. All the fucking ohms and the rises. And that's kind of before going into the entire album, I wanted to comment on what Danny was saying before because really he definitely didn't start metalcore. God, no. Stand up in 2009. And that is, you know, the best in everybody's opinion. And first of all, it's not a decade, like he said, and where did it go? And second of all, that is not the beginning of great fucking metalcore. And by the way, because Jackson went a little robotic there, he said Stand Up and Scream came out in 2009. And you are absolutely correct. And that's what I was saying. I looked back and I was like, wait a second. What are all those other bands that were before Asking Alexandria? There was The Devil Wears Prada. There was Escape the Fate. There was Attack Attack. There was Bless the Fall, Atreyu. There was that Silverstein band people like. Who could ever forget Silverstein? <laughs> Under oath. I mean, dude, this is so fucked up. What I want to say, though, and, you know, we're having fun here going back and forth, obviously. I'm a yes. huge Asking Alexandria fan. Same. I think Danny is one of the best vocalists I've ever heard. Agreed. Not live, <laughs> but <laughs> when he does <laughs> albums, when he does studio albums. Right. But... I probably saw him multiple times when maybe, you know, he was intoxicated, allegedly. Same. I've only seen him once and he was intoxicated very badly <laughs> and passed out. Allegedly. He might have just uh, been oh, tired. Yeah, sorry. He uh, might have just been tired. <laughs> but <laughs> he was just tired. That's what I just want to make sure. And by the way, there are two things that I love on this album. One is Danny's voice. The second mm-hmm. is Matt Good's producing. Yes. I mean, this album is extremely well put together. That's one thing you I can't take away from it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So let's get that out of the way. Now, I listened to this album yeah. probably 20 times. Oh, shit. You are way more fucking, uh, what's it called, durable than me. <laughs> <laughs> I had it on repeat just over and over again when I was you know, in the lab working, when I was doing whatever. I just had it on repeat because lab. of my... <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that. I'm sorry. Well, I have a new lab now. so. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I know, right? But here's the deal, man. So I listened to it the first time when I woke up on Friday morning. That was the Friday morning before I went to Vanna's final show. So I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? This is going to be great. I'm going to listen to some awesome music. Then I'm going to go listen to even more awesome music. Great day. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I went through that album. <laughs> Immediately, I said, this is the worst Asking Alexandria album they have made so far. Yep. Immediately. But I said, we do our research on the show I want to make sure I can actually talk about it. I need to listen to it way more. So that's what I did. Now, I will say this before we even get into more things. This is not my least favorite album of the year. I honestly don't hate this album anymore. By listening to it over and over again, I have found a few songs that I think are passable. Mm -hmm. But this for sure, and this is where I don't understand people. When I read online that people say this is Asking Alexandria's best album... I, oh I don't get that. You know, everyone's got their opinions. A lot of them are always wrong. Mine are always right. So we <laughs> know. Right. Yeah. You know that, Jackson. So for me, that was a little bit tough. But I do not hate. This would not be on my worst albums of 2017. Me either. And I don't think it deserves a shit ton of hate. It is different. It is their worst, in my opinion. Yep. Mine too. It doesn't mean that it's terrible. Because first of all. I don't just like Into the Fire. I loved Into the Fire. To me, that song was amazing. Yeah. Now, I'm sick of it now because I've heard it so many times, but I did like it. 
Yeah, and and I really like Vultures and Eve. Yeah, I think those are two very good songs. I like Alone in a Room. That one's okay. That one to me is is okay for sure. Um, the only songs that I can actually listen to is Alone in a Room passes. Into the Fire I love, and Vultures and Eve also just pass. And this is off a thirteen song album. I don't know why the fuck they have Into the Fire radio edit in an album. <laughs> first of all, they shouldn't have radio edited in the first place. It just goes to show what they had in mind when they made the damn song. Sure. So that kind of ruins my immersion when I listen to the damn thing. Right. And then on top of that, they put it on the album. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that, that's wrong to me. That really is wrong. That's fucked up. That's a waste of space. No one wants to hear an amazing track get dumbed down for radio listen. Well... You're forgetting all those millions and millions of people that still listen to radio. Ugh. Yeah, I know. Poor ears. They must be calloused by now. <laughs> well, they're too busy listening Disgusting. to 21 Pilots. <laughs> oh, here we go. That I did not miss. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to lie to you. When this came out, you don't know how fu- Okay, let me go back just a little bit more. Okay. The way they um, marketed this album... I thought it was going to be one of their heaviest albums. I really did. Sure. And I thought it was going to be the best one yet. I really, truly thought that. I thought Danny's comeback. I remember they released a snippet of him doing a really long scream mm-hmm. um, before the album came out, before even the single came out. And I was like, oh, shit. Right. He's fucking back. This is going to be awesome. I stayed up. Not too late. Uh, you know, the albums uh, where I live, they come out at 10 o'clock Thursday. Right. Thursday night. Mm-hmm. So I stayed up till 10 just to hear this album because I was so excited. Way past and your I was bedtime. Out, it, yeah, way past <laughs> my, my bedtime. You know how it is over here. And I was just so let down. And, and I really am upset about that because I really did look forward to this album. I ended up listening to the new Eminem album instead. Oh, no. We're yeah. not surprised we're not reviewing that. <laughs> <laughs> there was a new Eminem album, and I liked it. Okay? Uh, Boom. I'm putting that out there. Uh, Jackson, uh, Jackson, Jackson. Well, look. I will say also, when you look at the, you know, the discography for Asking Alexandria, I like every album. I already like The Black, but if you were to compare The Black to this self-titled, it makes The Black look like a masterpiece. Yes. Like, right now, people should be going, holy shit, someone get Dennis Stoff. Get him from the fucking <laughs> Ukraine, where the fuck he is, and get him back here to make another album. Yeah. It, it, it's... It's that bad. Oh. And I hate to say that about Austin Alexandria. It's Skittles and Starburst. Oh, you heard him. <laughs> it's not a Jackson podcast if uh, there wasn't any interruption. So we got that out of the way. Yes, way out of the way. So, yeah, <laughs> one of the things I forgot to mention before, though, when we're talking about copying bands, how much Bring Me the Horizon do you hear in this album? Oh, exactly, man. <laughs> they totally went in the That's the Spirit way. Except that the spirit was actually a good album. It was way better than this album, that's for sure. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, I'll give you that for sure. So when you get to what is it, Empire with Blinks? Is that his <laughs> Binks? Binksy? It's like Binks. I don't know. Whatever. G, I think I don't know. When I look at a metalcore track that wants to have a rapper come in and do a guest spot, you don't have to look back that far to Kingdom of Giants because they just had Low Life, and that was way better. Yeah, that was amazing. So anyways, it's just it's one of those things that's kind of weird. And I think here's the discussion I want to have with you as well, Jackson. So 
I saw a lot of people, and this is something we have talked about many times on the show, but I just need to reiterate it because it really doesn't make any sense, and I want people to teach me what it means. Oh, boy. What do people mean when they say Asking Alexandria has matured on this album? Oh, my God. I I just need to know. Uh, I need to understand what that means because all I hear is dumbed-down, simpler guitar work, more electronics, and I don't hear guitar solos. I don't hear raw passion. I don't hear raw emotion. Also, you can't even say that they've stopped singing about you know childish things because we just went over a whole track where Danny's talking about how he created metalcore and everyone <laughs> copies their album and fuck everyone who says you know this album sucks and their music sucks that right there is immature right isn't that the 100%. point so then how is this mature i i don't understand well, it's, not. it's not when people say that it's the frustrating thing here because it takes less work, first of all, to make this kind of music, at least for the well, band, not for the producer. Matt Good did all the work on this album, it seems. Yeah, Matt Good had hands full with this band. Let's put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate that his name is credited on this terrible album. They're doing really well, man. Yeah, no, and the album's kicking ass. Apparently, you know, the fan reviews or whatever, whatever they're saying about it when you go on Twitter and all that shit, it's, it's good. It's their best album ever. Uh, they're so mature now. And, and that's such shit. The lyrics are trashed. Music is just overproduced, oversaturated BS, and I don't like it. <laughs> your, your southern temper's coming out, Jess. I had to whip out the Louisiana mama. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I understand totally that everyone has their own opinion on music. You know, music touches people in different ways, hopefully not sexually misconduct ways, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it, it happens. I just, when people say this is the best Asking Alexandria album, it's just very weird to me. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I just want to understand a little bit more how it's even possible. I agree. I, I mean, a lot of people will probably like this maybe more than The Black, but I don't think this is anywhere near Reckless and Realist or Stand Up and Scream. Those two albums, to me, are perfect. Look, man, I even go back, and maybe people don't like this that much, but From Death to Destiny... Oh, yeah, I forgot about Destiny. I go back to a few tracks on that. I know that wasn't a very popular album, but I would I listen like to that, that album way more than I would ever listen to this one. Like, I'm done listening to this one for now. Like, I don't know why I would ever go back. Yeah, I, I agree. And kind of weird with me, Ask Alexandria, because I really do think they've gotten worse with every album. And sounds fucked up, but I really do love every album they've put out, except the... But I still feel like they've got worse with everyone, if that makes sense. It's just like, as you talk and talk more, it gets more and more robotic. <laughs> Your Wi-Fi is like, wait a second, I remember why we stopped doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think, was there anything we missed on this album? I don't know. Like, there is a lot to talk about. Like, it has a lot to do with just music, period. And scary, like, just the direction that fans are going in period because they like this is okay i understand why they're doing it i mean this probably will be one of their best-selling albums so i do understand that at what cost yeah well yeah i would say half their fans probably i bet you this was probably their most polarizing i would imagine it's their most polarizing release it has to be because i did see i mean every once in a while I'll check out a comment section 
And there were many people that they were like, oh, what's your favorite track on, you know, the self-titled? And there would just be a bunch of people that just say no. <laughs> you know, but then there are other people that are like, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. So I don't know if they're expecting, like, if the band likes their suggestion, it's going to make their fucking life. I don't know. Yeah. But let's remember, Danny doesn't give a fuck yeah, and- what anyone thinks. Oh, hell no. It's the same as Ronnie Radke. Ronnie Radke doesn't give a fuck what anyone thinks. No, and he'll put that out in many songs about how he doesn't care about what people think because that's what's cool to put in music. I I mean, Danny, that just means Danny ripped it off, though. Exactly. (laughs) I like Falling Universe in the album more than this. You are close. I really did like it a lot more than than this Ask Andrew album. I can understand that, but I do love Danny's voice a lot. Same. So that might be a little because... I love Ronnie's voice too, but he's done a lot of weird fucking shit with it lately. Where Danny mm-hmm. is still gravelly, like, oh, metalcore. Like, it just, it sounds good. It sounds the way, like, I wanted, you know, even that fucking country album that he did. Like, if his voice was even just a little bit better on that, closer to what it is now, that would have worked okay for me. Yeah, and one thing I also saw a lot of was kind of everyone in our kind of uh boat or whatever when a lot of people were saying we that are I the really same. really enjoyed <laughs> exactly so, so you know we all share the same kind of mind <laughs> like i saw a lot of people saying i enjoyed the shit out of the fire i hate this album right i saw a lot of people say that i can definitely understand it, yeah, that's for sure it, that, that act was fucking amazing to me like when i heard that shit and it's funny because when i first heard it i was like oh man they're not as hard as they used to be i thought they came back <laughs> kept hearing it and i was like Oh shit! I hope the album is like this. Man, they really fucking let me down. And back to that whole mature thing. Yeah, that stuff is getting really a lot more annoying now than than it ever was. I think it's really, and people will be pissed at me, but they normally are anyways. I think it's just when people are too dumb to be able to actually think about something and give an actual opinion. It's always used to defend people. So it's always yeah. when people are on their back heels. To be like, oh, people are saying this is terrible and blah, blah. No, they've matured. Well, then explain what mature means. You're just putting out a buzzword. That's that's all you're doing. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear an explanation of what that means because people are falling back on it way, way, way too much. And I just don't think it's being used in the correct context ever anymore. Exactly. And I was on Twitter the other day and I saw Telly from Word of Oh, Word yeah. On a huge rant. I think I, I saw it, too. I don't know if you guys talked about it on the show. No, or... but I, I think I saw it, though. Yeah. And, and, you know, he was explaining about how bands change, sound change. Yeah, same old. I get it. You know what I mean? If a band wants to change their sound, sound more radio, fine. And, you know, me and you are on the same page with that. They can do whatever they want. Yeah, please do and whatever you, have... you want. Exactly. We don't want to hear the same old shit if you don't like doing it. Right. But then you scroll down to the comments or replies to the thing and you have these people saying, no, we're, you know, we're glad you matured and stuff like that. What the fuck does maturing have to do with anything? <laughs> do you think that these people who are supposedly maturing look at bands that still scream that are obviously legends of the scene, like, you know, Under Oath and Time I Die and, you know, you know, those kind of bands that still scream on their albums. Do right. you think they look at them and they're like, oh, immature. They're still fucking screaming on their new I guess, album. I guess that's what they think. You know what I mean? It's like looking at a day to remember the Bad Vibration album. They've been around for so damn long. And it's like, oh, 
Did you fucking hear yeah. that? And you had day to remember. I'm still screaming. Immature fucks. Yeah. Jackson, you know what I mean? It's, when it's are like, they going to mature? Me? Yeah. When are they going to mature? I'm sick now, of it. How dare they? The nerve. <laughs> That's what I fucking mean. I just, you, you hit the nail on the head there, man. I don't understand that whole thing. I think it's honestly that people don't know how to express themselves. And they don't know how to think logically about music. I think if we look back at all the albums that we've talked about this year, I think the only time that I've used the word mature, maybe a couple times, besides making fun of people that use it in you know the <laughs> shitty way that they're doing, I think the only time I used it in a serious manner maybe was when I talked about the new Like Moss the Flames. Ah, yes. You know what I mean? That and, was it a good example of maturity. Yeah, because there was still heaviness there was still screaming there was still brutality there was still angst there was still all of that but their composure in what mm-hmm. they were doing the way that they were hooking melody in tracks you didn't expect it to come into like that's a maturity you know there's a difference right. between you know that first album they have and i don't give a fuck about the things you're thinking or the things you're feeling i think it's i don't give right. a fuck about the way you're feeling yeah i think it's that there is a big difference yeah, between I know I I still like it but it's like there is a huge difference between that and dark divine. That's a maturity. Yeah, exactly. You know, going from stand up and scream where sure there were some, you know, quote unquote immature lyrics if you want to say that, yeah. but then coming into this where it, there's a there's a rapping weird 30 seconds to Mars track and then also <laughs> another track where Danny says, fuck everyone if you don't like our music and everyone steals from us. Like, that's immature. So, uh, I don't know, yeah. man. This is making me feel sicker than I already am. <laughs> oh, gosh. And, and by the way, I wasn't on the show, obviously, but that like Monster Flames album was fucking good. Yeah, it's one of the best of the year, hands down. Yeah. Also, another quick one I just want to mention. I really liked Phineas' new album. Holy shit. Say again? Phineas' new album. Oh, Phineas' awesome. new album was really good. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> No, I totally sorry. You're still I'm glad you guys liked it too. People who know you and the issues we've had on the show are realizing there are still issues going on. <laughs> yeah, they're still back. When I'm back, the issues are Yep. And you they didn't even hear you say back. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. I think we've covered enough with this one, right? Yeah, for sure. Let's be this big. And look, I am going to end the show because we're gonna let Jackson go here because he hasn't had a chance to listen to the other albums. But I'm going to talk about the King 810 EP Queen. And you tell me how I feel about a band who has completely changed their sound. Just completely. You wouldn't even know it was them besides David's voice. I'm excited to listen to it because, like, at first of all, I know there was a new King and EP. And for you, it sounds different. I can imagine King 810 sounding like anything else. Right. I don't know if you're going to love it. But it's going to be interesting. (laughs) It's going to be interesting. So let's go ahead and let's play my favorite track from the new Asking Alexandria. This is Vultures. This is the kind of stripped down acoustic track where I think you really hear the passion and the grit in Danny's voice. And I think this is the one, you know, this saves it for me from being a terrible, terrible album. It's the most mature. You did it. You finally (laughs) found a way to use that word. Well done. All right, here it is. Vultures. Vultures. 
So once again, that's Asking Alexandria with the self-titled Asking Alexandria on Sumerian Records. Jackson, this is where we say goodbye to you. I would like to thank you very much for coming on the show. That actually ended up being like almost half the show's length, probably. <laughs> we just oh, there. <laughs> Which is pretty damn funny. So I think we have to go back to the original way that we would end a show. And let me ask you, do you have any final words for everyone? I don't even know what to say. Um, (laughs) uh, Oh my God, I don't know what to say. Uh, Fuck, what did I even used to say? Oh, I love everybody. Yes, there you go. There you go. I legitimately forgot what I used to say. That's so sad. It sounds exactly like you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, buddy. I am going to continue the rest of the show. Thank you so much for calling in. This was awesome. You're very welcome. This was a really good time. Oh, shit. That was a lot of fun having Jackson back on the show. We talked way longer than I thought we were going to. (laughs) My voice is killing me right now. So let's finish this up. I'm sure Dave will probably have something he wants to say about asking Alexandria next week as well. But let's move on. We've got Harmed from Day One EP on Famine Records. This is a metal-slash-hardcore band from Budapest. And I believe this is the first band that we've ever talked about from Budapest. This is a little quick. Five tracks. One's a very short intro, so really it's four tracks. I very much enjoyed the high vocals in this band. But this is probably our heaviest release this week, which is kind of weird to say. But it definitely is. And they really come out swinging on this EP. It's heavy. It's brutal. A couple styles of unclean vocals as well as, you know, some slight clean vocals in there. The only problem really is it's an EP. And since it's only four tracks, it's very hard to get into it. But once again, at least this puts them on the map. So I want to give you a taste of it. Here's Speechless Flash Deaf. I bet you they're pretty damn good live. But once again, that's Harmed from Day One EP on Famined Records. And last up tonight, we have King 810 with Queen EP, and this is an independent release. So now I know that King is normally on Roadrunner Records, and I haven't seen anything different, and his social media hasn't changed, but I do believe this is an independent release. So let's first off say I don't know what category to put this in. This is definitely not the King 810 that you were expecting, or maybe that you knew you wanted. I don't know, whichever way you want to say it now. So they have had slower, darker songs, if you want to say that. One of note is Devil Don't Cry. Great fucking song. But even that is different than what this EP is. And that's why it's very hard to track what genre you would call this. But this is five tracks long, 
And when David Gunn was asked about this album, his quote, which I think is absolutely brilliant, these are five slow songs about five fast women. How fucking great is that? And I almost don't know where to start with this. This is a King EP that has a trumpet. It starts with a trumpet and then has piano, organ, some string instruments, no distortion really on the guitars. This is completely different than anything you've ever heard them do. And what I was mentioning with Jackson is that that's not a bad thing. And I said this about King before. Sometimes with their music, it's just like I expect David Gunn to be in a dark, smoke-filled jazz club. And he's just on stage doing his thing. Part spoken word, part melodic. Just, I mean, it's so difficult to explain what this band is able to do. Gunn has an awesomely great gravelly voice. He'll show power and weakness really whenever he wants. And it's crazy to be able to do that and have that much control on your voice. Now, the lyrical content is definitely still king in a way, I would say. I mean, they're still talking about death and loss. So they haven't changed as much on that aspect. But everything else is so entirely different. If this doesn't show range, I don't know what does. It's beautiful. It's haunting. It's dark. It's brooding. And this is a definition of a band changing to do what they want to do. Now, I'm not saying that King A-10 are done with Alpha and Omega. I don't think that's the case. But being able to show your range and do something like this is pretty fucking incredible. And this is still a band that is on my list to see live. I would love to even, even if they were just doing this, I would love to go see this live. Because if this doesn't take you away and set a scene for you, I couldn't stop listening to it. I was shocked from the moment that I I was shocked from the moment I started listening to the end. And I was like, holy shit, did that did that just happen? I have to go back. That's what this EP did. So let me play a little bit for you. I'm gonna play some of I Won't Always Love You. Only for tonight, it'll just be us two. Cause I know when you know I won't always love you. Take my hand, it's the right thing to do 
So once again, that's King 810, Queen EP, and it's an independent release. So coming up on December 22nd for new album releases, the only two I see right now are Event Sevenfold with The Stage Deluxe Reissue and Landon Tour's AI 640 Part 2. And then I'm sure we'll have Dave talk about some of these albums as well. So once again, since Dave isn't here, we are going to skip Breakdown from the Past, and that means it's time to end the show. If you think we're going to kiss your ass since you get a good review in your magazine, well, you're mistaken, my friend. Take a self-righteous pose and want to be right or can't be out pencil. Shove it up your ass! Shove it up your ass, you punk! Shove it up your ass! All right, everyone. Thank you so much for making it all the way through here. I know it's a lot different of a dynamic when I don't have co-hosts. But once again, it was very cool, Jackson, on short notice to come and do a little bit of that. Obviously, he didn't have a chance to read all the news stories and hear all the new songs, but he had listened to both those albums. So that was very cool. Thanks again to him. Dave, get better soon. We'll obviously have a new show next week. We don't miss shows. So you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Ian Hates Podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash Ian Hates. And you can email me, ianhates at gmail.com. We also have YouTube videos. Go to YouTube and search Ian Hates. And if you want to support the show, like buying Dave and I medication, you can go to patreon.com slash Ian Hates. There are more Ian Hates conversations on the way. I know this is the longest I think I've ever gone without having one. They are being edited, and there are a bunch of special things that have to be done for a few of these. So that's why it's taking longer than normal, but they are on the way, so don't you worry about that. And this week, there's also a brand new Ian Hates movies, back again with Kelly, and this is on Spider-Man Homecoming and Thor Ragnarok. So hopefully you enjoy that. You can find that all the same ways that you find Ian Hates Music and Ian Hates Conversations. You can listen on Stitcher, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever. All that stuff works. Obviously you're listening somehow. So I believe that's it. Unless my mind is so sick warped that I'm forgetting something, I think that's all good. So since this was technically supposed to be the Christmas episode... Obviously, we didn't really do much for that, which we probably wouldn't have done anyways if Dave wasn't here. But the plan would be, at least, for me to play you my favorite Christmas song of all time, the My Chemical Romance cover of All I Want for Christmas. And I will leave you, the way I always do, long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone. I just want you for my own More than you could ever know Make my wish come true, baby All I want for Christmas is
So alright. 